welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Podcast. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. Joe here. And your old buddy, Troy. And your old buddy, Troy. Here to talk about another week of the Glass Cannon Podcast, mm. our, our weekly recap and behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Podcast. We, yeah. just, we just came up with this. Yeah, a little, I like that. tagline. It, it rolls off the tongue. It really doesn't. Uh, <laughs> it is a little clunky. It's a little clunky. Uh, we are following up episode 56 here. Mm. This is our second Cannon Fodder. And we're going to look at the episode. We also have uh, some GM stuff to talk about. And, you know, in general, I think it was uh, another pretty harrowing uh, episode. I mean, harrowing might not be the right word because it wasn't so much frustrating as much as it was just pure deadly. Uh, (laughs) And once again, you know, another week where Lork is just on the cusp of complete and utter annihilation. And thank you for that. Uh, Bring it on yourself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I actually want to start off this week with uh, just asking you a, a GM question, uh-huh. actually. So you had made a choice, and this is kind of a combo general GM question, but it's also a little bit of a behind the show, the sure. production um, of the show. You like to end every episode on a cliffhanger. Okay. And, you know, it's a, it's a good style. It's interesting. It's fun. For us as players, it can be very frustrating and uh, in a good way. And in this particular episode, you made a decision that I thought was kind of strange, and I was wondering why. We okay. we left the the week uh, after episode 55 looking at an empty treasure chest. Yes. We start episode 56. We find out there's a false bottom, and it goes down into a mound, and it is filled with amazing magical items, including, I mean, the, the that sword that Lork got. I still, I'm, I'm still giddy over it. I can't wait to see what it does. Gorham's Thorn. Gorham's Thorn. But the question is, what... What made you decide to leave the reveal that there even were magic items to the next week? And I asked that because we had such a hard encounter. Mm -hmm. At the end of that encounter, we even said it in in the episode. I think if you look back, people are just like, we did all of this combat and all of the invisibility just for an empty chest. Mm -hmm. So what was the the thinking behind that? I could have very easily had you find the false bottom and... Be like, what's down there? We'll see you next week. Exactly. Why that, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, as a fuck you to you guys. Oh, because. For making uh, the Awiga fight so uh, harrowing. <laughs> <laughs> because we were children. The complaining and the whining. I thought, you know what? This is going to be your penalty. It was. Uh, <laughs> your penance. It was mostly spite. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I honestly, in the moment, I was thinking this can go one of two ways. I can give them hope at the end of this or I can punish them. And uh, I thought I'd punish them. Well, you know, ultimately, obviously, looking back in hindsight, it is a good choice. It was a starting episode 56 and feeling like we had no idea where to begin. Right. I know for myself personally, I was where, why is this empty treasure chest here? Where else could we go? You know, there seems to be, this seems to be the end of the dungeon, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, is there some secret wall we didn't find? Or did, and all along, it's just, it's just right under it and under that huge 50 foot mound that we did so much complaining about. <laughs> Was uh, was a cache of amazing magical items. Yeah. And that's really what I want you to do is, obviously, I wanted to screw with you guys, but I also want you to think, what is going on here? What 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 was this for? What are we doing? So in the week between recording, it just lets you really think about it. Yeah. Think about what you've done. So let me ask you a quick lore question then. Why was it like that? Why was there a, 
a swollen treasure chest on top of a mound and all this stuff was under the mound. Was there any well, I thinking mean, behind that? They just put their items in the hardest possible to reach place. You know, yeah. It was just, you know, the Zatabays that you guys fought. I may be pronouncing that wrong still. Everything that was a security system. It was just levels upon levels. Put, of put in there by the druids. Right, put in there by the druids. So those things were not evil. Were no. they were they were neutral. What, the creatures? Yeah, the thing like yeah, like the, the bramble bright and whatnot. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know. I'd have to. I have to look. I think like the Zatabays were neutral, for example. But yeah. the um, bramble bright got in there somehow and corrupted the place. That may right. Have been that's evil. probably evil. Yeah, it must be evil. I I can't remember if we if we knew that. But either way, either way. Um, let me ask you a GM question then, because I I've struggled this my with this myself at times. That cache of items was so awesome, and it's so exciting for the players. And I know that you as a GM, as much as you love to torture us, and as much as you dislike us as people, uh-huh. you do get some level of enjoyment out of seeing us get these gifts, right? When you see a player just light up, when you give them the exact weapon that you know is going to make them so excited, or a piece of armor that they're just thrilled about, being able to gift that is a neat power to have as a GM. Yeah. So... The question becomes, and this can be a little bit of a tough line, did you or are you concerned at all with this particular cache of items uh, that there's a danger of overpowering the party? Do you ever worry about giving up too much because maybe what's in the book is a little too much and you're like, well, I don't want them to just break every encounter coming up and then I have to buff up all my monsters. Like, Did that enter your head at all? I think in my early days of DMing, that worried me more, but like I, I... I think if I can toot my own horn, one of the things I'm good at is adapting in the moment. If I realize I want this encounter to be a little tougher, I, I have ways of making it harder. But right now, not, no disservice to you guys, I really don't have to work too hard to make the encounters harder. It is yeah, no. the exact I- level of difficulty. And I've, I was thinking about this, and I think this came up in this episode. It's this party composition that is making things so hard for you guys. You know, it's it's such a, a unique combination of, of uh, classes, which makes for an interesting story, but it's making for such a difficult adventure. That's why a random encounter almost completely wiped out the party. Yeah. So I wasn't, I can tell you, I wasn't concerned that we were getting overpowered. I no. was like, we are barely, barely squeaking by with surviving and Gormley didn't survive. So like it was, it was getting really dicey there. And I think that hopefully those items helped to, even things out for at least for at least a little bit but it almost didn't seem like it once we came up against the the mud elemental you know that yeah. thing was so so incredibly strong huge mud elemental. and and the way that it made you helpless just made lork i mean i don't know if he actually ended up being helpless but he was pretty damn close to being helpless uh, but he definitely couldn't you know he couldn't swing he couldn't do these things that he needed to do to fight the thing or to use his new exciting sword yeah <laughs> you know so i I hope he gets a chance That's to... another reason I don't have to worry about uh, overpowering you, because putting in a great magical weapon in your hands is never going <laughs> to amount to too much the way you rolled, guys. Yeah, it's still it's still up to the, the roll of the die, you know? That Bramble Bright, by the way, was neutral. I just looked it up. So those yeah. were neutral creatures, but... Yeah, you know. a, a lot of nature-based creatures tend to be neutral, and they just like, they're like, this is my place. I don't care if you're good aligned. I don't care if you're evil aligned. I'm going to get you out. Right, you mine. Know? Plants in the forest, man. They'll poison you whether you're a nice guy or a bad guy. It doesn't make a difference. Um, let me ask you about random encounters. So you mentioned a random encounter. Yes. Um, what uh, I think we, we, you know, we understand generally what it is. My question is more specifically: Why and when did you generate them in the Glass Cannon podcast? Have you had you ever done it before? 
and they just never came up? Had you rolled for them and they didn't come up? Or, um, and why then specifically? Right. You know, the adventure's been, uh, I can't say it's been linear, certainly not at the beginning. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of opportunities to do whatever you wanted to do, but there hasn't been a lot of, like, overland travel. And that overland travel is when the random stuff happens. Uh, you know, it just so happened that you guys found the Hydra. You found, you came upon Ingrahill. Then you came upon Moss Moon. Then it was the Mar- there was enough there that I didn't need to spice it up. But on the way back, I'm thinking, you know what? They need a boost. They need a little uh, win for the team. So I'm gonna roll and see if we get some random encounters. And uh, sure enough, uh, one came up, and it was the last thing that it was was a boost for the party. You guys almost died. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, on the way, it was a very small percent, small chance of one coming up, but uh, it came up and I thought it was a good opportunity to, to spice things up by adding it in. I want to go back to something you said a, a couple minutes ago. Mm-hmm. You said that you are pretty good at, on the fly, restructuring your encounters to make them a little tougher if you need to. Uh, can you give us any kind of peek into what that is? If you were talking to another GM, what are some ideas to quickly uh, adapt an encounter to make it more challenging for a party that you didn't realize was a little too tough for this particular setup? The easiest thing you can do is give it some more hit points. You know, for example, the Bramble Bright, and I, I got to have its stat box up in front of me, has 85 hit points. But in parentheses, it says 10d8 plus 40. And that's you can roll that and have it give it any amount of hit points. Right. So if it was 10d8 plus 40, that's a maximum of 120 hit points. So at any point, I could just be like, you know what? It got max hit points. It's 120. Because if you guys are annihilating And that'll it, maybe last it a couple more rounds. Right. And, and or or if you deadly. guys kill it, technically, I might give it another round. Be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to let them land the killing blow, but I'm going to give it one more round. Little things like that just to extend the combat. Make it hard. Take a player out of commission so that you guys have to change your tactics. That's the easiest way to do it. Just give it more hit points. Another thing you can do is add the advanced template to uh, a creature. All right. Now you're getting nerdy. What is the advanced <laughs> template? Um, you you know it uh, probably better than I do, but I think it's just uh, you add a plus two to their AC and you add like two hit dice worth of hit points, I believe. So you don't know this off the top of your Not head? Not off the top of my head, but if you look it up, it's in the Coral Rulebook. Or it might even be in the Beast Jerry. But you just give a creature the advanced template. Uh, if you find that your PCs are having too easy of a time with these mobs that they're coming up against. So pa- Pathfinder, yeah, Pathfinder by their very core rules have already written in a way for you to do this yeah. uh, quickly, mathematically. But yeah, I mean, I think that the hit points thing is an interesting thing you bring up because a new GM might look at a stat box for a monster, see its hit points and think, well, that's its hit points. Right. Not taking a look at that, that little parenthesis shows you th- this is the hit points they suggest, but here's a range of it, what it could be. It could be less hit points. That's what I was going to say. If it can you work think, both oh, ways. There's three of these things. This encounter is too difficult. I only have three party members in my game, so maybe I'll dial it back a little bit and I'll give it less hit points within that range. But try to stay within that range because the challenge is there for a reason. Yeah, and it really needs to work both ways. There's plenty of times where I'm like, it has one hit point left. And you guys are like, ah, come on. But there's other times it has two or three hit points left and I'm like, you killed it. Because... You know, if I roll, it doesn't have to have 85 hit points in this case. It could have had 81 right. or 82. Well, what makes you decide what that moment is? I mean, uh, the the momentum go, of the story at that moment. How, how did you how did you hit it? Like if, if, 
if Lork comes up with a big hit or Galabras comes up with a big hit or you guys are desperate, one of you is about to die and Baron fires off a bullet and it had a couple hit points left, but you needed that moment for story, that, then I'll be like, and you kill it. Yeah. yeah. You guys but most of the time, most of the time, you're, you're pretty, bu- you're by the book kind I'm of I'm very GM. by the book. Yeah. I, I don't fudge many roles. I, uh, maybe to a fault, but I like letting, uh, probability. Drive the, story, Drive the story at times, yeah. So uh, another thing that I think you forget a lot, and a lot of GMs do, uh, myself included sometimes, is when these creatures that you're fighting, and this happens a lot, get to exactly zero, don't forget they're not down. No. You know, you've said before, you know, Baron's like, I did 16 hit points. You had 16 hit points left, and he's dead. You yeah. know, and, and I'm just sitting there like, sigh, he's not dead. He has zero hit points, you know. Right. Don't forget that they can still act. And it, it is to me, I like it because it's an interesting story thing because its next action most likely is going to result in its own death, right? Because just the strenuous nature of doing a standard action at zero hit points drops you to negative one. Right. But some creature may have one last thing that could either blind a character or, you know, put somebody unconscious or could, you know, poison them or give them a disease that they then carry for weeks until they can yeah, find yeah, the, the cure. You know, there's a lot of interesting things that can happen at zero hit points. So don't sleep on zero. Yeah, I forget that. Keep sometimes. that in mind. Um, just to clarify to the advanced template, I looked it up. Oh. I was completely, not completely wrong. It's a plus two to all rolls, which is attack rolls and damage rolls oh. uh, and all other rolls, CMB, CMD. Plus four to AC and plus four to CMD. You get plus two hit points per per uh, HD. HD. So if it's a you know if it's a eight HD character, you would add sixteen hit points, add four to its AC, and plus two to all of its rolls. <laughs> but that's a great way. It takes a monster that's wicked and all of its wicked rolls easy are- and makes it hard. Does, is that plus two to its saves as well? Its saving rolls. Uh, uh, does it say? Just out of curiosity. Those really are the quick rolls. It, but- I'm not. I'm not hundred percent sure. Right in. Uh, yeah, let us know. Call in. Uh, all right, real quick, I want to get back to the mud elemental. Yes. So that thing was uh, terrifying. Mm. And I think that you said that it, among the random encounters that were available, it was one of the most difficult uh, ones. What were... I know that it had the ability to slough us filled with mud and, and hold us in place. Give me an idea. Like, give me a, just a couple numbers. Tease me. What, what was its two hit, you know? How easy was it uh, for this thing to hit us? Incredibly easy. two slams plus 15 to hit hit okay doing 2d6 plus 7 damage and then entrap Uh, yeah so Lork is sitting at uh 19 ac so you have to roll a four four or higher on a d20 and you hit the frontline fighter of the party and i only roll 20s (laughs) yeah you don't even need to worry about those low rolls and you know what what really did the damage too was it had cleave and Great Cleave. And Great Cleave... Right, it moved... At one point, it moved through the entire party. One after another. Boom, 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 you all boom. down. Entrapped a couple of you. I mean, it, it is a brutal... It's got power attack. It's got greater bull rush. It improved bull rush. So it could have just ran you guys over and trapped you and murdered you. And it's got DR5 against everything. 95 <laughs> oh hit points. AC 20. I mean, it, it... For a random encounter, it was nothing but... Now, Lork was in a, in a tough position there because he was one round away from uh, being helpless, at which point I was worried about a coup de gras. Yes. Now, I don't, you know, first I want to ask you, have you ever coup de gras a PC? I haven't. I haven't. I think the closest- I have never coup de gras a PC either. The closest we came was on the keelboat when uh, General Tark Sinjskin, I don't know if he was a general, but Tark Sinjskin was standing over Galabras' body. 
could have just could have got him right there. Yeah. But, I mean, that is a, that's a tough choice for a GM. Yeah. I mean, that is a really tough choice. It'd be one of those things where maybe the PC talks to me, uh, the character, the, like skid before the episode's like, you know what? I'm kind of getting sick of playing Galabras. And I'll be like, all right, I'll take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm but sure otherwise, you can make that happen. I, I'm, I'm awful, but I, I can't imagine being that awful. Yeah. But you know what? This is a different, this is a different experience. Who's to say I won't do it in a later episode? Well, what about this particular encounter? Forget whether it was coup de gras or not. How would you feel about killing a PC in a random encounter? I mean, does that seem cheap or bad? Or does that seem like something that could be really interesting? Because it's like, this is, we're playing this gritty, like real life, you know, in the way that Game of Thrones seems so gritty. You know what I mean? Like, what was it back, you know, all the way back to season one with, uh, uh, you know, major character has a minor injury. And you never expect, but then just disease sets in and then terrible things happen, you know? So there is this idea of like random things happen in life that are really awful for PCs. That's life, And maybe it can kill one. What would you think? Would you have actually wanted to, or not wanted to, but been okay with killing a character in in that random encounter? I don't know. I mean, I I think back to the uh, Ingrahill decapitation situation. Well, that one would have been awesome. I mean, that would have been (laughs) awesome. But I mean, talk about random. It was the random draw of this absurd crit card. Yeah. Um, And a random character we, you know, we just stumbled across who was some crazy, like, hag in in the woods. Like, that's what she seemed to us at first. And it is now an ally of the party. Imagine (laughs) if she was an ally, but she also had killed Lork. Yeah. That's (laughs) all right. Come on. It's a lot of baggage. It's a lot of baggage. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. in the moment, sometimes you guys are perfectly good at killing yourselves, and there's nothing I can do about that. But having the mud elemental, you were one hit away. I don't know. Would I do it? Sure. If it was right for the story? I don't doubt that for a second. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to wrap this one up. Thank you so much for tuning into our uh, our new experiment here, Cannon Fodder. Please write in. Let us know what you think. And get some questions in here, because we definitely want to get some uh, some fan questions up on cannon fodder so we can you know kind of have have a conversation so to speak with you guys week in and week out outside of the uh, outside of the adventure so remember uh email us in at glasscannonpodcast at gmail.com rate us on itunes subscribe to our youtube channel don't forget that as well Mm. we got that up and running skid is doing uh high quality hyped up uh you know uh, steroided up versions of our original content so the old episodes are going up one by one with uh, visual images to go in with the jokes and with the story and uh i think you'll find it pretty interesting to check out so tell your friends about it get help us with those subscriptions and uh anything else before we cut out of here buddy this is fun we should do this again next week let's do it again next week all right see you then pal it's on buddy